destination. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. Josh and Nick, this Sunday afternoon, coming live to you. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the weekend that was in baseball for Track the Pack, and then later in the episode, we will be talking, where are the Cajuns going to play basketball next week to start out the big dance, uh, which is going to be fun. We kind of did the selection show for baseball at the end of the season last year, so we'll do something similar to that, and we'll throw up some graphics that kind of shows uh, how everything is progressing in the selection show later on when that gets going. Uh, and I think they're kicking off here in just a minute. So anyway, Nick, what is up, man? Not much, man. Had a, a lot going on this week. Had had work meetings, tried to catch. I was actually eating dinner with uh, a bunch of my uh, co-workers at, at, in, in Houston this week while the McNeese game was going on. They were like, why are you watching something at the table? And the answer was <laughs> because I can. Uh, so yeah, it's just been, it's been a busy, busy week and weekend, but glad I got to catch all the games. I will say it's a little bit of a, a disappointing performance for the weekend, and we'll get into that more later. But I was happy to watch the team bounce back against McNeese. They are scrappy. They always play us well. Uh, Morrow, they they threw him again. They didn't start him, but they threw him again. He's an effective pitcher for our lineup. But it was good to see some guys get big hits late in the game. Uh, Debo's starting to catch fire. Uh, that was one thing that really stood out to me this weekend at the plate. Uh, and then also, you know, you had some big hits by Julian Brock as well. At the end of the day, it's a three and one week. I know high point is who they are. I, I tried to say that I thought that they would be more competitive than a lot of people thought. I looked at the scores when they went to Tuscaloosa and played Alabama. Every game they were in striking distance and had an opportunity to win. Their offense uh, as a team, I think after the weekend they were hitting 284, which is not all that far off from us. They've played some stiff competition. They had a couple of guys that could throw. Uh, I thought overall that. They were pretty impressive, all things considered. I thought that they were a pretty talented ball club. Obviously, they, they didn't have the what we would think would be the star power to match up with the Cajuns. Uh, but I was impressed with a couple of their guys. Yeah, and, and don't disrespect someone based off the name on their jersey. And I think we fall into that category for a lot of teams that we play sometimes. They look at us and go, are Asian Cajuns? I don't, you know, who are they? We don't care. So you can't overlook a team like High Point. They're picked third in their conference. It's not going to be the Sunbelt Conference. They're playing, I think, in the Big South and, and the same conference that the Camels are in. So they're picked third in their conference. But I agree. They're a scrappy bunch. They uh, they didn't feel the ball well at all Friday night, and they cleaned some of that up. They still had had some some mental lapses out in the field, but so did we. I mean, we, and, and we'll talk about this later, game two, it was... It was scary uh, how bad we we played in the field at that point. So uh, I thought we could have been a little bit better in several phases of the game. But 
in the end, I want to win every series this season and and that going forward, win every series. And, and that was a good step in that right, right step in that direction. At the end of the day, of course, you want to win. It's easy for people to look at a, at a schedule and say you should go 4-0 this week. And McNeese, we owed them. So I thought that the guys would come out with their hair on fire and play well in that game. It took us a, a minute to get into that game. Uh, which was kind of weird, but once we, you know, once we got there, we stepped on their neck, and that was good. It was good to see some decent midweek pitching. We'll get into it when we look at the stats. But overall, Friday night, I thought it was a nip and tuck ball game. They made six errors. They made six errors, and you still only win by two. I was a little concerned. I thought Jake was fine. You know, all the guys that you needed to see be themselves were pretty much themselves. Saturday, my issue with Saturday is that we just got dominated. You know, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. It wasn't a good performance. We came out, you know, it was so easy to say we came out flat. The team came out flat. I don't know if they came out flat, but I can definitely tell you from being in the stadium, it was it was not a, a an inspired performance. You know what I mean? Like, it, there was just something off there. We were, and credit to their starter, he went way deep into that game. He might have pitched a complete game. He pitched a complete game, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, we were he was getting us to beat balls into the ground. His changeup, you know that they say it all the time. The soft uh, throwing lefty always gives this type of offense trouble. Well, he certainly did. I mean, everything we hit was on the ground and at people. So uh, you know you got to give you got to tip your hat to a guy sometimes. And he was really really good against our offense. And we, the thing was is that we got the run in the bottom of the first. So you felt like all right, well here we go. Let's let's just do this all over again. You know we'll, we'll nickel and dime him. No, they were good. They were good. They they were better defensively Saturday, but still not, not great, you know. Uh, and, but I'll build off of what you said earlier. We felt it felt watching it the games that we never really had. Like I felt like we were fighting every game against Campbell, and and maybe it's because Campbell kept punching us and then we punch back. Yeah. But it didn't feel that way this weekend. It felt like a different vibe. It it I, I I'm not going to go as far as say lackadaisical because it wasn't but it just didn't feel like we had the fight that we had the prior weekend and maybe that's playing up or down a competition what you think the competition is in your mind but look we play arkansas state next week arkansas straight state ain't great but if we come in into a conference series not playing our best and and having um not the same effort that we've had the first couple of series this season we're going to be in trouble so we got to we got to come out on fire next weekend as we start conference play. There's nothing. This is not a shot at anybody, but we're not. I, I don't. The type of baseball that we're playing right now is it's okay, but you can't sleepwalk through a series. And I'm not accusing them of doing that because at the end of the day, you win the series. But Arkansas State's a really good example. You know, you look at BYU, you win four games in a in a series like that, and you say, "Wow, well, we look like we're pretty good." Well, it turns out BYU stinks. You look at Rice and. You played, you pet me. To me, they gave you a good, their best shot on Friday. Saturday, it was what it was. And then Sunday, you came up, you get a five run lead and you give it away. Um, I, I thought we could learn something from that game. Turns out Rice stinks. I know they did get a good win against Texas Tech, and that's a good one, but they haven't done much since then. And maybe that's the, the performance against High Point is kind of a result of playing, you know, what you thought was a pretty decent schedule up to this point. You know, obviously Campbell was really good, and that was a great series. Uh, we lost the series. So I still we're still learning about our team. We're still learning who we are as as you know teammates, the way the guys are playing together. There's still a couple of spots that aren't locked down. You saw JT have a pretty decent weekend. He didn't make an error in the field, which you never want to see, but I still think some roles need to be defined here. And I think our pitching staff is starting to round out 
But I still got to see some things from JT Etheridge and David Christie, who was good today. Um, and there are others that I need to see more. You, you can't. I really thought that we had we had to burn Blake Marshall Friday night, and I thought that that was going to probably come back to hurt us. I don't know if it did in the end, because at the end of the day, I think they, their pitcher just had us beaten on Saturday. So I don't really know if, if having Marshall pitch on Friday, but going, going forward against good teams, we got to be able to keep our guys fresh that are going to come in and contribute, bail you out, things like that. I did not like to see Blake on Friday. Uh, did you did you say anything there? Yeah, no. I Look, and whether or not that had uh, an effect on his performance today, I don't know. He didn't come out today looking great. I mean, he walked a guy. He, uh, he gave up a, a run, two hits. And, I mean, really, we were – they had all the momentum. If it weren't for that double play – I mean, we were in serious trouble, and that's and right. Let's let's go back because I put a little star next to bases loaded, nobody out, and then a routine fly ball to shallow right field, and I was I don't know if it was Willis, I don't know who was at second, but confusion on the base pass yet again, and this goes back to last season. And now, don't they have the little things on their on their belts that tell them what the sign is? So right. there's no there should be no confusion as to what you're doing. And somehow we're still making base running errors. That has got to be cleaned up. It's like it's like ball. It's it's like throwing balls and walking guys. You you can't walk batters and you can't give them free outs. And we're giving them free outs. We went from you know uh, bases loaded one out to all of a sudden bases loaded two out. And there's a chance they get out of that without a scoring a run. If we had that run at the end of the game, you're feeling a little bit better. You know in, in the situation. But now, I mean, they had the go-ahead run on base because of that, because we couldn't manufacture a run with bases loaded, nobody out. So those kinds of mental lapses and the mental lapses in the field late in the game, we have got to clean that up and, and continue to keep our focus because it just seems like we have, and again, this goes back to last season, we have a tendency to kind of forget who we are in the middle of a game and and that that can that will come back to bite us later in the season. I will tell you if we don't get that cleaned up that'll be a problem. I agree. We were talking the other day about uh what part of the offense or the team in general where we underwhelmed with and my comment was our running game. And it wasn't necessarily the, the mistakes. It was where the mistakes are coming from. We have older guys making boneheaded plays. I mean, you saw it in one of the first games of the year with with uh, Veyon, he's done it a couple, two or three times. And you would think that he would be one of those guys that would not, you would not see that with Rock. You know, as much as we love Rock, he's made some boneheaded uh, running uh, errors. Debo, uh, a couple times that I can remember. These are all guys that know our system. They know what to do on the base pass in order to be a threat. And I think because of some of these mental errors and just really just bad judgment, it's limiting some of our offensive capability because it is one of our biggest tools for manufacturing runs. Um, I can't tell you that we've seen all that much small ball, all the chaos and everything. Uh, now, there was one where we forced the issue on uh, ball in the dirt. I think it was Rock that got he ended up at uh, third. This was today. And then we, we, we ended up scoring on like a, a, I think it was just a pop fly to right field, which it would have never, that would have never happened had we not forced the issue with our running game. But I'm just using that example to illustrate how big of a weapon the running game is. And if it's going to be sloppy, Dex is not going to want to use it. Well, maybe that's not true. Dex is going to do it no matter what. But just to say, it may not give the coaches all you know all the the confidence that they typically would have in the run game. I think that's a problem. It's a limiting factor for the team going forward. 
So just um, kind of changing subjects right now, they're they're unveiling regions. Um, they're in the Midwest region right now where Houston is number one. Uh, one of our opponents, Drake, is a 12 seed. They're playing um, number five, Miami, on Friday. They're about to uh, announce four and 13, so interested to see. Um, and this is in Albany, New York. It is number four, Indiana, which I think was projected to yes. possibly be our opponent. And um, they're about to avail number 13. Real quick, Nick, did Drake Kent win State. their conference? Kent State. Kent State. So it's Indiana and Kent State. We will not be playing Indiana in the tournament. I'm sorry, what did you say? No, uh, you mentioned Drake, uh, one of our uh, past opponents this year. Did they win their conference? I do not know. They were 27-7. and seven. Um, Wow. So I would assume they probably did. Okay. Yeah. So just wanted to give that, that brief update. I thought that would be a possible uh, landing spot for us, but we are not going to Albany and not facing Indiana. Yeah, like Nick mentioned, we uh, one of the last Lenardi projections we saw was the Cajuns and Indiana in Orlando as a 13 and a 4 matchup. So apparently that's not going to work out. Uh, I think one of the original projections was the Cajuns against Tennessee in Greensboro. Was that is that correct? Well, they're about to, and that's what I was about to say. Um, so Friday they've got Iowa State and Mississippi State 6 and 11. They're about to unveil the number 3 seed uh, there. And of course, they're talking. So uh, awkward drag silence. it out for the sponsors, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're talking about this exciting play-in game between Mississippi State and Pitt. So number three, Xavier. They're twenty-five and nine. Number three seed in Greensboro. Xavier went on a and number fourteen run. is Kennesaw State. So we do not end up as a fourteen in that regional either. And that was in Albany, you said? Uh, no, this one is in Greens Greensboro. Greensboro. Okay. Yep. That would have been drivable. It would have been. Yeah. They're moving over to Des Moines, Iowa now for Thursday games. I don't know why I put the tweet out for people to meet me Tuesday for <laughs> to watch the Cajuns. I think it may have a little – for some reason, I thought I, – I don't know. I just need to not tweet when I'm drinking on a Saturday night, I guess. That's my biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. I'm getting – well, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to let it play out, but I'm getting the text messages that we're going to be – Where we're going to be? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, against against whom? Uh, Against who? But hey, I'm happy to be in the dance. I saw the pictures from uh, the party over at Walk-Ons. A lot of people there, a lot of familiar faces, people that watch Rage and Review, and people that we talk to all the time at the games and whatnot, having a blast. You know, that's what this is fun for. It's what it's all about. It's like, you know, it's an extra day to be excited about right after basketball is over and we get to go play some more. And not only that, look, I mean, then you get to have watch parties and you get to, you know, and and... Again, people are filling out their bracket. Louisiana's on there. And people are going to be picking us at the upset. People are, you know, so anything we can do for our program to get our name out there and some name recognition and some credibility helps. And and this is, I mean, this is huge. Everybody watches Mar March Madness. Even my mom watches March Madness, I think. So that's because they play during the time where they normally have the, they have the stories on the story, typically. So they yeah. Have, they can't change the channel from the CBS. They they're just the Young TV and the Restless stuck. normally plays at that time, man. That's right. I get a call from my grandmother almost every year. Oh, they play into basketball over my damn stories. <laughs> every year. Daryl uh, Longclo saying Southland in a play-in game again. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this until we had Rage and Review after dark, but uh, Southland Conference making a big uh, coaching hire for a man who cheated his way to sort of winning it at LSU. Yeah. Saw that. Made it official. What was that, this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
trash man for trash program if you hire him as your head coach. How does he not have a show cause? I thought he did, and somebody else said he did. FBI investigation. How you don't have a a show cause for this guy? Yeah, I think I think if if they and I know it takes forever for things in the NCAA to develop when it comes to uh, penalties for things, but. I think this was a slap in the face to the infractions committee. And I just have a feeling if, if it was taking a long time, it ain't going to take a long time now. I think they're going to accelerate that. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Slick Willie may never coach a game in uh, at McNeese. It, that, would be, that would be something to, to sit back and laugh at if that does come true. That would be one hell of a PR coup for them because it would be really <laughs> terrible on the front end and then they get laughed at. When and what I don't understand south. is you have, you have fans of the prior – program that are like oh this is great we support this guy he might be the catalyst for shutting the doors on your program for two years and you're excited he got hired down the street you still like this guy i don't know if it's me i'm not cheering this guy on i'm telling him get the hell out and don't let the it the door hit you on the way out you know what's great is that most mcneese fans are lsu fans so well yeah it's a dual win for them uh but what's cool is it adds another layer to bob marlin coming back and you know, that whole extension talk. It, I, I want to see a Bob Marlin coached team against Will Wade in the Cajun Dome. Look, that, that is, that's, that's I don't a fascinating care if thought. Bob goes one in 30 next season. No, the following season, when they come to the Cajun Dome, I want them meeting up. Yes, you have to. That, that's, I, I, that's exciting as a fan. You know, people are going to give him so much hell. I just yeah. want that timeout with about 10 seconds left when we're up by 20. I want a timeout called. We got to get the chicken back for that one game. Oh, do Call we the timeout and make the chicken have a skit and prepare just for that. You get 8,000 people, I think. I think it'd be great. And sadly, though, sadly, like 4,000 of those 8,000 people would be, you know, those from across the basin come and cheer on their own old cheating head coach. That's that's the only drawback there. Got the old uh, McNeese fan with the LSU cap in the building. Those are yeah. my favorite. There's always one at the Teague. I saw a guy get berated. Uh, was that Friday? LSU hat, LSU uh, shirt, the whole thing. Like, dude, you know what you're doing. Come on. Watch a guy uh, on today's stream with the Southern Miss shirt behind home plate. Didn't get that one, but okay. Uh, of our game? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Not hating on the guy. I just thought it was interesting. No, but I'm sorry. I your support. I'm sorry I changed the trajectory of the, of the pod. I know we were talking baseball, but... Of oh, course, with good. that stuff popping up, I wanted to make sure we get that mentioned. I'll keep an eye on the on the TV and see what what comes Any, down. Anything noteworthy so far? Maybe a, a past opponent or anybody we'd be interested in? No, <laughs> Drake was it. Is so, and this is another thing. I don't know anything about the NIT now. They do it so much differently after the NCAA bought it. When do they do the selection show? Is it today? I think didn't they already announce their bracket? I don't know. No idea. And that, and that again, I know people get ex- excited about uh, NIT, but that just gives you an idea. Like nobody, it's nobody's talking about Nick. the NIT, right? No, man. I, I remember, mean, it's a respectable tournament, but nobody, sure. there's no recognition. If you win it, you know what? Uh, yay. But nobody now, look, cares, you know? If, if we won a regular season tournament, like just sit, look at USM. If we were USM, we won a regular season title. We didn't win in the tournament, and then we got to go to the NIT, and we went and made some noise, maybe even possibly win it. There's some very strong teams that make the NIT. So I think it would be great. I would be excited as a Cajun fan if we ever did anything like that. But no, to your point, when we were kids, the NIT, Madison Square Garden, I mean, like, it was was an invitational. It was a big deal. Yeah. It's still an invitational, but it's almost like a – it's a consolation. You know what I mean? It used to be great. Some really good Yeah, they announced – 
tonight at uh, nine central. Okay. Nine central. Everybody's asleep. See what I mean? They don't even get the selection <laughs> show right. Perfect. Perfect example. <laughs> I don't. Does anybody else in the conference even have a shot to get? I think they, at large. I don't know. Maybe Marshall. They were talking about Marshall at some point. Okay, that makes sense. But I don't know. Their net is in the top one hundred. Yeah. So that that would make sense. While we wait for Louisiana to pop up on this bracket, just going back, if you want to pull up the McNeese stats, we can kind of touch on that. I know we didn't really spend really any time at all on McNeese, actually. In-game stats, I know uh, you know, I, I know it is what it is. There wasn't any fireworks, really. Uh, but it's always just something I like to review. Just it, When we look at the stats, it reminds me of little things that over the course of five days you forget. So for those on the podcast version, uh, if you can, watch the video the video pod. Uh, we always pull up the stats and we go over them little by little, and it's kind of an extra layer for fun. Burrell Jones. Burrell Jones was the guy that they started. Um, he was effective. Three hits, one run, one earned, a base on ball, and two Ks. He threw 53 pitches, but I think his main job for them is middle relief. Uh, maybe they were trying to see if he had the chops to be a starter. Uh, but he was effective. Again, he only gave up one earned. Then they go to Zach Voss. He comes in basically the same. He throws 31 pitches. He gives up an earned run, two hits. He did walk a guy. He did strike out a guy. Uh, then they go to Cameron Lejeune. This is the Johnny Allstaff type situation. Uh, Cameron Lejeune comes in. He gets touched. He doesn't record an out. Gives up two hits, three earned runs. He walked a guy. Uh, no Ks. He wasn't effective at all. We got to him. That was kind of the nail in their coffin. Then they had Christian Vega and Kanan Morrow, who we talked about him. Uh, he was the guy who started in Lake Chuck against us and was very effective. He, he only came in for a single inning. He did get, uh, well, no, no Ks and, and a walk through 16 pitches. I was happy that he didn't pitch more than that inning because he was good against us. I mean, he really was. Uh, for, for the Cajuns, Ben Tate, two complete, gave up a hit and two earned runs. He did walk two. That's the only thing with Tate, man. He, he, he looks effective and he does a lot of good things, but we're still giving up too many free passes. I mean, that can be said for a lot of people, but him in particular... It looks like he has it. He's got good stuff. We just got to eliminate the damn walks and hit by pitch. Had two strikeouts through 40 pitches. Then Cooper Rawls comes in. Cooper Rawls was pretty effective. He, he went two, uh, gave up two hits and, and an earned run, no walks and no strikeouts through 19 pitches. We saw Tommy Ray for two innings. He looked really good with the exception of one walk. Uh, then David Christie came in through a good solid inning. So did Toit. And then, of course, Blake Marshall came in and sh does what he always do does is struck out people. Blake is just becoming... I would like to, I'm going to go, like, when we have some time, I'm going to go in-depth on his line. I, if he's recorded 30 outs, 20 of them have to be strikeouts. Maybe more than that. I mean, he's just been absolutely nails for us. And that's why I want to save him from when we really need him, not when we have to trot him out for two outs. Agreed. Uh, he, 100%. And I was going to say that if you didn't, like, I'm with you. Let's use him when we need him and not not just... I mean, the the less tape they have on the guy, the better. The happier I am, to be honest with you. The great thing about that performance on the mound was I think McNeese had one hit through the final six innings of that game. Um, and you you heard the names, Rawls, Ray, Christie, Toit, and Marshall, all, all guys that we need uh, to see something out of because we're at some point this season they'll be called on and we're going to need them. So that was very encouraging. I don't know much about McNeese's offense. Other than when we played them in Lake Charles, they did a lot of good things on the base pass. They made you pay for walks. Uh, they're just a smart baseball team. They're well coached. So good to see the staff. Multiple people go in and contribute. 
Uh, offensively, again, it wasn't it wasn't any fireworks or anything like that. You had Hoodie, of course, with two hits. Uh, Rock had a hit. Debo went hitless, uh, but did get a, excuse me, not Debo. That was Max Marshak. Hitless. Carson Rockefort had a hit. Hoodie, two hits. Mason Zambo, no hits, but uh, did have a walk and scored a run. Julian Brock had two missiles that he hit. Um, added an RBI and a couple of walks. Let's see. Debo did get two hits. So that's what I was saying when we came on. Debo, all of a sudden, I think he had seven hits this weekend, six or seven hits. Then you add that to the two that he got at McNeese or against McNeese. And uh, he's starting to really round out. I'd like to see the glove a little bit better. I'm not going to kill him on that, but offensively, Debo's the Debo we, we expected him to be. Yet you, you notice that since Max re entered as the leadoff guy, I think Debo feels more comfortable in that run producer role. Uh, do you see the same? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I feel like if he has the opportunity to score a couple runs, he's got a little something extra um, in, in his swing. So, so yeah, I like him there in the lineup. And, and Max, look, Max had a couple of hits today. He's, he's still struggling. Uh, and, and you can tell. But I just, uh, when he... When he, and we keep saying it when he breaks out of it, he's going to be, he's going to be tough. And and we need that out of a leadoff guy. We need a guy who can, who can get things started for us. Um, so uh, especially at the top of the lineup. So Max is struggling a little bit. Glad to see him get a couple hits this past week, but uh, it's just a matter of time. And I, I know we keep saying that, but it really is. We know Max and we know what he can do. And we know when, it, when it starts clicking for him, he's going to be firing on all cylinders. Yeah. He does have a tendency to be streaky. The thing about Max though, man, you know, I noticed this this weekend, and this is the first time I really paid close attention to his at-bats. He's swatting at balls out of the zone a lot. And he, in particular, he looks like he's susceptible to the elevated fastball outside. I, he He's the type of batter that wants to see a lot of pitches, so I know that he's trying to foul pitches off so he can see more pitches. But he struck out a couple of times this weekend on balls out of the zone. And it's like he's under everything. It's like he, his contact is not on. It's not... He, Something there, something. I think it's a small thing, and once it gets fixed, like you said, we've seen what he can do. He is our. He's what he. He lets us be ourselves. He he makes us go. He's the engine. Uh, so anyway, he did go hitless against McNeese. Uh, Will Vayon had two hits against McNeese. Yuhas with another hit. Uh, excuse me, he didn't get a hit. He got an RBI, but uh, put the ball in the outfield where we needed him to, and he drove in that run. I like you like Luke Yuhas a lot. Uh, he had some decent at bats this weekend, but. Uh, the run that he drove in against McNeese ended up being a winner. So everybody else uh, that we didn't mention didn't get a hit. Actually, JT, two walks, had a hit, uh, and scored a run. So like to see JT getting on track. Played some good defense this weekend. Did have an error, but overall, I think it was a net positive uh, for JT. And I would love to see somebody solidify. You saw some Peyton Lejeune this weekend. Got his first hit as a Cajun this weekend. Still don't love the at-bats right now, Nick. Uh you never want to say that, uh, you know, this is, again, no shot at, at uh, Peyton Lejeune. I like him a whole lot as a player, both on the on the field and at the plate. It's just something is off. His timing yeah. is off. Something up. Well, it's the same with Max, and we know what Max can do, yeah, and we know similar. how talented Peyton is. And and look, it's it's just, to me, it's going to be critical on on the top and bottom of our lineup. we got to be able to turn the lineup over with the, the number nine spot, and then we got to be able to produce some runs at the top of the lineup. And right now... That's where we're struggling sometimes with, and and I, I, I mean, people struggle. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to say it. We're, it's like you said, it's not a jab at them, but it'll come. Uh, I think again, um, we've got the right pieces in place. We just got to put it all together at this point. 
Yeah, last bit on Taylor is he got caught stealing twice, as did Carson Rockefeller. So four caught stealing in that game, uh, which goes back to our point about the running game, just something, something is not there. Uh, the, the odd thing to me about Carson is that he's been thrown out, has to be six times this year on the base pass. That is, I, I just think that's interesting. This guy was one of our most reliable base stealers last year and since he's been here. Yeah, and I think we got, I mean, got to do a better job of timing the pitches. You got to know what the, 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 the reaction time will be from the catcher. Uh, so I don't know that we're picking the best time to run right now. But again, it's mental lapses. It's not just getting beat by the catcher. We're doing things on the base paths that just make you scratch your head. And I think that just comes down to focus. And and I think we just need to do a better job of, of that as we get into conference play. Because again, the competition doesn't get easier as we go through the season. I mean, it, it gets tougher. Um, App State, by the way, I think they lost two games to, I mean, didn't just lose. They got, well, the first game was close, I think. But second yeah. game, was they lost by like over 10 runs. I'm not sure that they played today. I think that game was canceled, canceled. due to weather. But Yeah, they got um, snowed out. Yeah, camel. the Camels really took it to uh, App State this weekend. They're good. Last little bit on uh, base running. You know, some of it is just, in my view, recklessness. Unnecessary. Unnecessarily being reckless on the base pass. We go back to McNeese, you know, because we're on the game. The game that we lost, you had Heath Hood, for my money right now, I mean, I think he's hitting like 420, 426 or something. He's probably your best hitter. He's probably your most, I don't want, best hitter, you should never say that. He's probably your most consistent hitter. He had the bat in his hand with a man in scoring position, and the game ends on a caught stealing in third by Debo. How do you take, how do you take the bat out of that guy's hands right there? Uh, that just absolutely killed me. So anyway, yeah, that was I the remember previous the text. <laughs> oh, God. That was the previous game, and... Uh, we ended up pulling out against McNeese in a, in a very good college baseball game in a midweek. So it ended up being a really good game. Before we go to the next game, we have, uh, we're in the East region, Orlando, Florida. There's a 5-12 and a 4-13. So uh, chance uh, that our name gets called here. Okay. We'll see. Number five, Duke. Duke is a five seed? Duke is a five seed. And I know we were projected to potentially play them as a 4-13-4. Four th- four. So, right. Yeah. No, Duke is five seed, 26 and 8. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, then we're unless they they seat us up at a twelve, then no, they're playing Oral Roberts. Okay. The Golden uh, Eagles. Yeah, I watched the Oral Roberts Roberts uh, tournament championship game. They are good. They can shoot. If I if I had if I was a betting man, I would say that we're going to be in this next four thirteen spot yeah. in Orlando. I think you're right, and Orlando is. I think. Can you still get the direct flight from Orlando or from Lafayette to Orlando? I know for well, a while. I know you can you get it from Houston because I got delayed till ten forty. Uh, let's see. All right, number four, Tennessee. Would oh, not be surprised if our if our name was called here. Yep, number thirteen, Louisiana, playing Tennessee yes. in Orlando, Florida, baby. Yes. Winner faces off against Duke or Roberts. Oh, great. Yeah. Tennessee is beatable, Nick. They are. I know. As we go, uh, as we go into the show, maybe we can bring up some some uh, Tennessee stuff. In fact, let's, I mean, if you want to, we can do that now. We go back to baseball later. But look, I wanted to play Tennessee. Um, I, don't, I haven't watched a ton of college basketball this year, and I don't, I don't really know how good they are. I've, I've, I looked up their stats and everything, and they are what they are. But I just wanted the opportunity to beat them because we owe them. I have that unfinished business thing in the back of my mind. And I think that our guys uh, will be up for Tennessee. Look, if we're not, if, if our coaching staff is not playing that video, 
from that game and Absolutely. how we got screwed against them, then then there's something wrong with them. I mean, yeah, I'm still I'm still pissed off about that game, and I think a lot of our fans are. Yeah, that's gonna it's gonna it's another level of excitement get to go back and try to beat Tennessee again. Orlando's a good spot for us, though. I mean, hey, maybe we can draw some families in there, take your kids to see the mouse, go watch the Cajuns. I'm gonna try to find out if we can get those direct flights still, um, because it's and it's cheap. It used to be like less than a hundred bucks. Yeah, and it's super. I mean, like I said, I just flew from Houston to there a couple a uh, couple weeks ago, and super easy couple hours if that that long yeah we went this is probably four years ago now five years ago but direct cheap i, I can't i can't remember the airline was it frontier i don't know I, i'd be hesitant to fly frontier i've had good maybe experiences with frontier it's spirit dude it's spirit, spirit. I, maybe i've never I'm been more confused. terrified on a That's flight in my entire life well, they uh, the net ratings that I have pulled up aren't aren't really working, but I will tell you I pulled it up from the NCAA uh, website. Tennessee is number four in the net, um, twenty three wow. and ten. Now you get a little SEC bias there, right? So of course, of course they're going to be high up in there, but they're four and six on the road, five and two neutral site. Um, they are seven and seven in quad one games, three and three in quad two, and then um, eleven and zero. Oh, in quad three and four. And the Cajuns are like 89 or 87, so we would be a quad two, I believe, right? Yeah, so we're 89, we're quad two. Our our record is against quad one, 0 oh and two. Quad two is one and three. And interestingly enough, you would think Southern Miss would be in quad two because they are on this, on this ranking sheet, but right. it's the net ranking at the time that you guys play. Okay. So the, the win against them is actually a quad three win. Um, we went 10 and one against quad three and 12 and one against quad four. Okay. Well, that's the schedule. So we, we pretty much already knew that I'm psyched about playing Tennessee. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm, uh, I want a little revenge. I'm, I'm going to bring out the old, uh, red dot shirt for that one. I think I've been seeing them around town. Yeah. I guess when they gave them out for the student section, uh, a few games back, people just started wearing them. It's good. I feel like a kid again. I see the red dot. I'm like, Oh, cool. The old red dots are still around and kicking. But Tennessee, awesome. I think they're, uh, it's still uh, Barnes over there, right? Yes, I think you are correct. Yeah. Walk-ons was hype. I know. I wish they were showing. So some of the teams, they have cameras there, and they're showing the reactions. That would have been a cool reaction to see because most of it was just players and not and not fans involved. Um, but I know I, I said last last podcast that I would try to get some Fans together in the Houston area to watch the game. So uh, I will honor that commitment and uh, try to find a spot that everybody is in agreement with and uh, and get some some fans together. I think it's it's way overdue, and I think we need to do it more often than not. I mean, there are just so many people. There are three guys in my neighborhood that I found out are Cajuns fans. We graduated at the same time. So, um, yeah, and I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to start uh, really making uh, making our presence known in the Houston area. Once again, it used to be a, a vibrant fan base over there, and they had many events, did all kinds of things together, and then, you know, the generation just starts to peter down, and if you don't replace it, it goes away, which is something we've hollered and screamed about on this podcast a million times. But, again, Cajun basketball has a very it's, – it's, the fan base is long-lasting. It's just been quiet, obviously, because of lack of postseason play, tournament uh, opportunities. So – this is a great way to look, get the band back together, have a great time, turn it into something that can continue. 
That's a, that's a great thing about making this tournament. So we'll get into Tennessee when we're able to look at the stats. But if anybody's out there listening and you have a video from, it, it can be any party that you guys are at, selection show, show party, if it's at the official one, cool, whatever. If you guys send anything to me, I'll get it up on the screen and we can share it with everybody. So uh, we get some coverage. I know that maybe it'll probably be on the news this evening if people still watch the news. I can't tell you the last time I watched the 5 o'clock news. They still have that there? <laughs> yeah, a couple of them. But, but anyway, so let's let's finish up with baseball, and then we'll, we'll revisit basketball. Uh, Friday night at the Teague, Cajuns do end up winning the game 8-6. to six. Again, we mentioned High Point made six errors in a game. And at one point, I leaned over to Jerry, and I said, he's all geeked about being ahead. And I said, yeah, it's great to win, and I'm happy that we're winning, but this team made six errors, and, and you really had to hold them off to win. I know Degs. So we've talked about this before. The best case scenario for a coach is you get the win and you play like you lost because practice is so intense and there's so many things that you can pinpoint and work on. And it's just the best case scenario because you can be all upset and still walk away with a good result. So six errors out of high point. Um, I don't know. I don't know the last time we saw a team that bad defensively. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was like really basic stuff, dropping pop flies, routine ground balls to second base, just really poor defense, Nick. Inexplicable. And I, like I said, even when we played the, the Peacocks of St. Peter's, I don't remember them being that terrible defensively. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me is the, the six uh, runners left on base from our designated hitter. I think that hurt us a little bit because we, we failed to capitalize on – on the opportunities given to you. And and so again, we continue to give opportunities to the other team, but we don't take what they give us. And that's got to be something that we focus on going into conference play uh, that has become a pattern throughout the season and that we're still seeing. You you would think that at this point, you know, after a couple of series that, that we've kind of worked those kinks out. But if anything, I think we're getting a little bit worse in that department where we're not taking advantage of what's given to us and and we continue to 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 hand over free race runner. So, yeah, it's it was a story of our season so far this weekend. It, it will come back to get us. I'm telling you, it's already happened a few times, but... Well, it almost did today. And it almost, it almost did, did Friday night. That's right. Look, without Debo, that game is losable. And you may have lost it. The two-run bomb in the, what was that, the eighth? Let's see. Yeah, the yeah, two-run bomb in the eighth. That put it out of reach. But if that doesn't happen, they came back and scored two in the ninth. So you're looking at a tie game. You know, I... I hate to harp on a win, but outside of Carson Rockefeller, who actually looked really good this weekend, he, he looked like Carson of old, uh, Hood, Rock, and, uh, and Debo. And actually, Juju had a couple of really nice at-bats this weekend. Friday, he obviously got two hits, uh, and he had three R RBI, I believe. Yeah, three RBI. So, look, he's coming around. I got no worries about him. But outside of the top, you know, your middle four, nobody did anything. And we, we talked about this in the... Rice series and then into the Campbell series, our offense was picking each other up, playing complimentary baseball. I have not been seeing a lot of that since Sunday uh, against Campbell. You know, it didn't really happen against McNeese and it didn't happen Friday. And we're only on the Friday game, but that's going to be another pattern that's continuing uh, into the weekend. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But again, you're, you're the top of your lineup did everything outside of Max. Max uh, struck out twice and didn't have a hit, you know talking about a pattern not great uh but 
we we give we can't be top heavy. Not with this offense. Not against a team like High Point, who again, Sam Garcia wasn't terrible. You know, you give up the you give up the three in the first inning, and then he settled down. We didn't do we didn't do much of anything to him until the sixth. We got the one run. Uh, we chased him. Uh, I'm sorry, disregard. He went into the fifth. He had only given up the four runs. Then they bring on Patrick Libby. We immediately get to him, but then we get to uh, then they go back to Connor Smith. He was okay. They put Brandon Braden Halliday, which by the way is the son of Roy Halliday. If you guys remember Roy Halliday, great pitcher for the Phillies and Blue Jays. I think those were his only two stops. Uh, you know, tragic death in the airplane accident. But Roy Halliday was one of, I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball for ten or twelve years. So I thought that was an interesting thing that Braden Halliday's son got to come in. Uh, but anyway, my point is, is that we get the crooked number in the first. We did scrape one in the third, one in the sixth. But really, they held us at bay offensively outside of the first inning and the eighth inning. Uh, and I know Rob used to always say you get, you usually get more runs in one inning than you do the rest of the game combined. I get all that. I just, I don't like the fact that sometimes we get up on people. You know, we're, it's four to nothing into the fifth. And it's like we started to rest on our laurels. I don't like that. That is a scary pattern. We keep talking about patterns. That's a scary pattern. It happened against Rice. It's happened against other teams. Happened against Campbell. They didn't end up coming back to win the game, but we go up early. It's like we kind of we've done our offensive damage. We're gonna take a break. I don't know. Am I off? Am I off base on that? Or no? And 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 not only offensively. I mean, then you look at at, at pitching wise. I mean, then we okay. We settled down. We gave up a couple of runs in the fifth, and then Fluna comes in and gives up four runs, and then you bring in Marshall. Again, we talked about it. We don't like bringing him in when we don't have to. For two um, outs, you know? W- with two outs, right. Yes, Because you can't get warm. out the inning. He's got to ramp up, get warm, and all that for two outs. So, uh, again, it's I don't know if it's a lack of focus. I don't know if it's being too comfortable against the opponent. But it's it's a continued trend that we're seeing this season that, uh, that, that we're struggling really to – starting to struggle to close out games. Um, we used to be on the other end of things – where if we were down by one or two, we were really pushing and pressing and making a game of it and having a chance to win and maybe even winning that game. But it seems like we're kind of in the opposite boat right now where we're just trying not to lose. That seems like what we're trying to do at the end of ball games this week, this weekend was just trying not to lose. And that's not going to win a whole lot of ball games for you. I agree. That's a good way to put it. It looks like we're trying not to lose. It's like we're, we have a death grip on a lead and we just want to hold it and then it starts to unravel. Uh, one thing we 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 kind of talked about this at the beginning of the season. Uh, Jake Hammond, as a, a Friday night guy, he's been great, and he battles. Um, I have no issues with Jake on Friday. That's not the point of the comment. What I have noticed is that his what he quickly gets an elevated pitch count. You see here, he went five solid, but already threw 102 pitches. I I gotta think that we have to work on that because at some point or another, we're gonna need Jake to have a long outing. And I know his style is the way that he attacks and everything. He ends up throwing a lot of pitches. But 102 pitches in five innings, we, we got to get more efficient there. You agree? Yeah, and I think, look, and, and I think we'll see it today too And when we look at Sunday stats. It was the same situation today where I think our guys are nipping at the, the corners, um, throwing a lot of balls, and I think that uh, that, you know, that'll get your pitch up, pitch count up real quick. I think the the the... Uh, the pitcher today for high point maybe had 11 pitches in, in the first two innings or something like that. So we've, we have to continue to attack the zone and not be scared to attack the zone. But I, 
I think my right now for us, the hitting is not producing consistently as we should be. And once we start producing consistently, then I think we're going to attack the zone more. But it seems like we're a little tentative on the pitching side because we're not sure if we're going to have a game where we score 13 runs and hit and get 20 hits or it's going to be one of those games where we score two runs on five hits. So until we get our offensive identity in check, I think we're still going to see those high pitch counts uh, early in ball games. Once we once we get a little bit more confidence in our hitting, then I think we'll be fine. Now, Jake only walks two and with that elevated pitch count, that's actually good to see. He did go full to a couple of batters, um, but only two walks. You know that's something that we've kind of harped on. That we gotta we gotta get that fixed with Jake. Uh, but again, overall, another really good uh, performance by Jake. He just has that competitive bone. He's just a competitor, uh, competitor, and he does a great job on Friday night because he's got to set the tone. That's his job, and he knows his job. He does it well. For high point offensively. Six of their eight hits came from the top four in their order, very similar to what we were talking about for the Cajuns. Uh, Blake Sutton and Jack Pokerak hit two absolute monster home runs. I was actually impressed with both of those players for high point all weekend long. Uh, the the Pokerak shot was that was the one that was late, and he uh, he did not miss that ball at all. So I don't know how good high point is. Again, if you look at the season results, they're six and nine. They are what they are. However, they've been very competitive against really good teams. So Friday night, that's a win. You always want to win on Friday night. That's all that matters. And then we go to Saturday. Saturday, you know, the way that, the way that Friday ended, you're kind of on your heels. I had no idea what to expect on Saturday. Uh, I certainly didn't expect Brett Wozniak to go nine, give up one earned run and seven hits. I certainly did not expect that. So hat tip to that young man. I mean, sometimes you just get beat. And Catherine said, we got beat. I said, we didn't get beat. We got dominated. We got dominated by High Point and Brett Wozniak. We just flat out did. Uh, the only hit for the Cajuns, excuse me, the only run that was produced by the Cajuns was by Julian Brock. Uh, we spread around seven hits. C.J. Willis actually had two hits and was really good at the plate on Saturday. I thought that was uh, some of his, probably his strongest game since, I don't know, maybe Saturday at Campbell. It's, or no, I'm sorry, Rice. He had kind of started to hit the skids a little bit, but uh, two two hits for uh, for CJ. Peyton Lejeune, his first hit as a Cajun, we mentioned that. Caleb Stelly came back and got a hit in the DH role uh, in a pitch hit situation, so that was good to see. Other than that, Julian had one hit. Heath Hood, of course, had a hit, and Rock had a hit. I, we struck out 10 times. Let's see if I'm saying that, if I'm remembering that right. No, he only struck us out three times. I'm sorry. Three, three Ks, two walks, nothing else. I mean... We we stole one base. Vayon stole a base. I mean, nothing. And efficient. 109 pitches through nine. I mean, that's... I mean, he went into the seventh. I think he had thrown 77 pitches into the seventh, if I remember that correctly. So, talking about efficiency, yeah. We were swinging. He was getting us to swing early in counts. He threw strikes. Obviously, only two walks. But, no, I mean, again, just flat-out domination. Just flat look, out I'm not, I'm not going to put this on the on the pitching staff. I mean, I know they gave up five runs and we we gave up two late or or three late, but you got to figure if you're playing a team that you're supposed to beat, you're going to score more than uh I don't know, one run going into the 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 eighth inning, you know? Right. Yes. Uh so I'm not going to put you on putting on the pitching staff. Um 
I, I don't think I think we're I think we're getting better with the walks. Five five base on balls. I I know, but they were all individual, right? Each pitcher seems like gave up one or two. Uh, yep. Or one one walk, but I think again offensively, maybe it was Wozniak being that good. Obviously, we could not. We could. I, I don't know if we weren't seeing his pitches well. I don't know what was going on. But like you said, CJ Willis. I think he struggled Friday night, if I remember. I don't think he he hit that well. I don't know that he got a hit from Friday night. So it was good to see him get a couple of hits um, on Saturday. But just frustrated by Wozniak, and then more than anything, frustrated with all of a sudden in the eighth inning we can't play defense <laughs> again. Like we did against Campbell, I think it was a Saturday night game again. Just can't play defense. Yeah, it, it's. I don't want to. Is it concern? Is it too early to say it's concerning? I don't know. I don't know if I want to use the word concerning. It's well, certainly it's a, it's a annoying. pattern. That that's my thing. It's concerning for me because it's a pattern. We've done it before and we're doing it again. And now the doubt is in the head. The doubt is what's concerning for me. Is that if we're going to get into another situation where we're down two one in the sixth. Or, or even in the eight, you know, two one in the eighth inning, and then we start overthrowing or or missing cutoff men or all this stuff that we've done all throughout the season, it starts getting in your head a little bit. That's the concerning part for me. I know we can play defense. I have no doubt that we can play defense. I just think the pattern that when we get late in games and we're down by a run or two, we seem to either ramp it up and really make a game of it, or we go in the opposite direction and just start putting the the ball around and we, we can't do that again in conference play when it may come down to a Sunday series to win the series. And, and all of a sudden you can't play defense. We can't do that. That's something if, we can control. Yes. And for me, it's the guys that are making the errors at the times they're making them. Look, Debo's already got four errors. I think he made 12, 11 or 12 all of last year. We got four already and we're, we're in game what 15. And again, it's, it's late in games. That's the that you want to use the word concerning. That's concerning. It's late in games and it's happened many, many times in a young season. So you take that and you couple it with five walks between Moody, Toit, Ray, Tate, Etheridge, and Couch. That's a recipe for losing. Gave up three runs from the eighth on. You know, Jerry Couch and JT Etheridge. Uh, actually, JT Etheridge, he he only threw a third of an inning, uh, but he gave up a hit for the only guy. He faced two batters, one of them got a hit. Then you bring on Jerry Couch, and he wasn't all that effective either. Now he only ended up only giving up one earned run in the frame, but he threw through, he threw you know one inning, and uh, he was kind of all over the place. He walked a guy, he did strike out a guy. Uh, I, I don't know where I'm at on Jerry Couch yet. I don't know if we've seen him enough to have a real opinion. I know that Brendan Moody was good for five innings, and then in the sixth he just got himself he got himself in trouble with the leadoff walk, and then they just started teeing off on him. Don't know what happened. You know, it, 76 pitches, that's pretty close to his season high. It might be. Uh, so maybe it's just a little bit of fatigue, went five and a third. I'm not real sure. I just know that, you know, he got himself in trouble in the sixth and he got lifted. Toy came in for two-thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, did have a strikeout through 10 pitches. Tommy Ray came in for an inning, gave up an earned run and a base on ball, no strikeouts. Ben Tate. Up and down Tate, man. Sometimes he looks fantastic, and sometimes he looks like he can't do anything. He came in for two-thirds of an inning, gave up an earned run, a base on ball. He had two, two strikeouts. Uh, and then JT Etheridge came in and, and, like I said, wasn't really all that effective. So sometimes we look good. Sometimes we don't. The pitching wasn't all that terrible. 
But again, five walks between six pitchers. That's just not going to get it done. Yeah, and it, it goes back to consistency. And it goes, I, I mean, we can go back to last season where we saw it again. We lacked consistency in our hitting game. We lacked consistency in pitching. Now we lack consistency in fielding. And we're go- I, I'm, I'm confident, like we did last year, we put it together when we had to. And sure. I think we will again. It's just I, you, you want to see that all come together before you start conference play. I think that is just, and again, not concerning, just a little bit apprehensive going into next weekend in conference play with still these outstanding things that we need to clean up. Um, I thought this was supposed to be our weekend where we, we, I don't know. I thought it'd be a little bit easier for us this weekend. And and maybe again, that may be me falling victim to the name across the chest, but, uh, credit. Yeah, but we can do that. We're fans. Yeah. They they don't have the luxury to do that. And I know that they know that I'm not, you know, this is not a profound statement, but if that's the case, then that's kind of, again, concerning. It's concerning that. You're getting tricked by the quality of opponent because of the clothes they wear. We got to be think, ready to play nine innings every time we step out. But now, since we played Campbell and we saw how good of a program they are and how solid they are and how they never go down, they're always fighting. That is what I did not see this weekend. I did not see that grit and that aggressiveness and that determination and that maybe it just didn't translate on television because I'm watching it on TV, but I saw it last weekend. And maybe, again, that might be because the games were relatively close and we were back and forth and and all this stuff. But it just, you didn't feel that sense of urgency this weekend. And I think that was the catalyst for the this the Saturday game where you never felt that urgency. You never felt like we were trying to press. It, it just, it felt like we were just going through the motions. And again, that may be translating on, on television and watching it through the stream. But I would have liked to have seen a little more urgency as we got into the later innings and, and really trying to make stuff happen. It just didn't seem seem like we had it in us on Saturday. And that'll happen sometimes. It's baseball. Sure. I know it's people baseball. say it's baseball. It really is. It is. And it's 18 to 22 year old guys. I get it. Uh, if you remember when we talked to Sam, we asked her what it was like to play on the road in front of nobody. And she said that, you know, the the energy has to come from the dugout. They have to energize themselves. If you're not prepared to do that, and you need an extra push on a day like Saturday. If it's not there, there's nothing there. And I can tell you from being there, it it felt flat. It really did. The crowd was meh. It was hot. You know, I, I know that those, these are excuses, and that's exactly what they are. They're excuses, but I just didn't see the fire, man. And that, you know, that's it's really all that that simple, you know. But but I think but I think the good thing is going to conference play. I think they're going to be a little more hyped up next weekend. Um, because now they're playing for something. Sometimes sure. it feels like in in games like this, I'm not going to say they're trap series, but they're they're series where you're just trying to get through it to get to next weekend. So they, again, like you said, 18 to 22 year olds. I get it. I'm not pushing the panic button by any means, but you would have. I still in this game when we're down five one or two one right in the six would like to see a little more urgency, and we just didn't have it. And another thing, Nick. They probably got up for Campbell. Maybe it's a little bit of an emotional letdown. You go from Campbell, who you know is coming in to beat your brains in, and then you know you go to McNeese, or McNeese comes here, but it's it's a step down in competition. But they had already beaten us, so the guys were up, they were ready for the game. And then you have High Point. Everybody's looking ahead to conference. I think that there's there's probably something to be said about that. Uh, Mr. Brody Leger would like to know if we know anything about um, Blake McGee. 
what I know about Blake McGee is very limited. I know that he had arm tightness as of last week. So uh, I don't think that he, I don't know. And of course the coaches are very mum on how hurt people really are. So we really don't know uh, the full story on it, but the, the official story is, is that he has arm tightness and he's out for an undisclosed amount of time. We have no idea. Uh, I would like to see him more though, because He's been up and down so far, but you can definitely tell that he's got what it takes to pitch. He just needs to get some innings. So that's the story on Saturday. Wasn't good. Five to one. High point beats Louisiana at the Teague. And obviously today, Cajuns come back, play high point for uh, the rubber match. They win six to five in what was mostly an uncomfortable game throughout. This was kind of like that back and forth puncher fight um, that we saw for Campbell. Cajuns got three before High Point did any damage in the fourth. Three to two, uh, and then the Cajuns answer in the bottom of the fifth. So we go up five to two. You're starting to feel a little bit better, like we're going to step on them. And then they answer the Cajuns in the top of the sixth with two of their own. Way too close for comfort for me. We get one back in the bottom of the sixth. It's six to four. Uh, It stays that way until the top of the ninth where High Point gets a run back uh, and had some chances, like Nick mentioned. Ended up winning six to five. We had 11 hits on the night or on the day. Uh, High point had nine, a couple of errors for each team. So, you know, that's the line you guys listened. I was encouraged again by seeing what I perceived to be a quality start by Jackson Nizu. He went five and a third, gave up seven hits. He did end up giving up the four earned runs, but he was basically cruising into the second. He walked a guy, he he had eight strikeouts, eight big strikeouts uh, when you needed it, when you had a threat going or when he had walked the guy right behind, right after that. I remember at one point there was a, an error. Uh, I think it was JT. Yeah, JT made that error, and then we we get the next out. We always talk about out after an error, so that was good. Uh, Jay actually mentioned it on the broadcast, which I was thinking it in my head when he said it, so I figured I'd say it on the show. Uh, but he did throw 101 pitches. Again, elevated pitch count through five innings. I, I, gotta, I don't know if that's a, philo- a philosophy thing or what, but it seems like that's happening a lot. So maybe we can ask that at the Diamond Club, uh, Diamond Club lunch. What, you know, why is it, why does it seem like everybody seems to elevate their pitch count when they start? You know, that's weird. Uh, David Christie came in and was very effective, two and two-thirds. Didn't give up anything, had two strikeouts and threw 28 pitches. Uh, Blake Marshall, of course, comes in. He does give up the two hits and an earned run. He walked a guy, which, of course, got him in trouble. It always does. Uh, but at the end, uh, he, got the, he got the outs that he needed. Cajuns win the series. And go three and one on the week. Um, offensively, you had Max had two hits today. He scored a run. Debo two more hits. So who had a monster weekend, like we said. Um, Carson Rockefort four hits today, two RBI. Julian Brock had another hit today. CJ Willis another good day at the plate. He had a hit in three chances. Uh, let's see. JT had another hit today. He's starting to trend up. Connor Higgs and at bat and a run scored. And those are all the hits. Uh, for today, Debo with two RBI, Rock with two RBI, Julian Heath Hood each added a, an RBI. Heath Hood and a uh, RBI fly out. So no hits for Heath Hood, which is something I don't we don't say very often. I think that that's going to end his hitting streak at 15 games, 14 games. Uh, going into McNeese, it was 12, so 14. So 14 game hitting streak for Heath Hood is done, uh, which is sad. But just because it goes to show you how consistent he's been so far. Uh, for high point, Gus Hughes goes five, gives up eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, three eighty-seven pitches. Sean Duffy comes in, doesn't get an out, gives up a hit and an earned run. 
uh, excuse me, just a run. Uh, they made the error on the play. I remember that. Uh, David Keith comes in, finishes the game. Three strong, gives up two hits, no earned runs. He did walk two guys and struck out two guys. What are your thoughts coming off of this game? I love to win on getaway day, so that is a very big part of the silver lining. And I'm not trying to sunshine pump, but I'd much rather win on Sunday than lose on Sunday. If I have to lose, just give it to me somewhere else. I like winning on Sunday. Yeah, and look, we didn't play our best baseball this weekend. I think we can all agree on that, and the coaching staff will probably, and hell, the players will probably agree with that. But at the end of the day, it's a series win, and I'll take it. And and I think, again, they need to get better going into conference weekend against Arkansas State next week because there's a lot on the line, and you want to get off. You saw how behind the eight ball we were last season where we got off to such a poor start in conference. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we generally last year just got off to a slow start in general. So I think we're ahead of where we were this time last year, which is encouraging. But there's no more time for us to practice cleaning up some of the issues in in the different facets of the game. Now it's now now the the show is live and we gotta we gotta perform up to expectations. So um, again, I'm encouraged that we did not play our best baseball this weekend, but still came away with the series win, which is always going to be the goal. And if I, I think if we played. If we had played like we're capable of, I think we blow these guys out three games in a row. So uh, we just got to find some consistency uh, across hitting, pitching, and fielding, and we'll be all right going into next weekend. And we need to be because Arkansas State is Arkansas State in baseball. I understand that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're the Yankees or anything. However, they won 11 games total last year. They've already won seven games this year. They're not great, but they're much improved. And they know who we are. That's right. And They They know who we are, and they want to kick our ass. Because they're Arkansas State and we're Louisiana. And regardless, uh, I know that they're better. You look at the beginning of the season, they've dropped some games they probably shouldn't have. This is a chance to reset. They know they're a much better team. It's a chance to say, okay, we're 0-0 zero and zero in conference. Let's start over. We got the Cajuns. Everybody's going to be waiting for us to play us. The conference is good now, but here, this is people still know the Cajuns are somewhat of a litmus test for their programs early in the season. So they're going to be ready. We need to be ready. I think we will be. Uh, Nick, before we wrap, if you can maybe try one more time to see if we can get maybe uh schedule for Tennessee and see you know what kind of results they have, maybe we can talk about that. Uh, but again, if anybody has any comments before the show is over, please request to speak. We'll get you in. Uh, drop your comments in the chat on YouTube and everything else, and we'll keep it going. If you have any basketball questions, please let us know. We'll talk about that. Um, if you haven't, if you weren't here with us and you just joined, Cajuns will be playing Tennessee in Orlando as a 13 and a 4 seeded matchup uh some already some pundits picking the cajuns to upset i just saw that come across the line uh lane johnson while we wait on nick i don't know if y'all talked about this earlier or not but since i just joined but what do y'all think of the matchup versus tennessee with one of their players out for the year yeah so i read that that one of their one of their better players was out for the year do you know you have any insight on that because i don't i don't know much about tennessee basketball I don't know. I don't know. I know he was one of their starters for at least a while and one of their better players, like you said. When did he get injured? Did, did this just happen? Um, I want to say it was either during the conference tournament or right before the conference tournament. Okay. I'll look it up while Nick uh, talks about the schedule, and uh, we'll try to get you all some information on that. I'm sure not a ton of – not many of us are really 
uh, educated on Tennessee basketball. So we'll do every, everything we can to get you some information. But I'm psyched about the matchup, Lane. I'll tell you that. Uh, I told Nick that we owe him. You know, I have that unfinished business ever since that game uh, in the tournament from years ago. I, I just have that unfinished business feeling about Tennessee. Every time I see them, on, it doesn't matter what sport. I always think about that game. So I'm psyched. You going to try to go? I'm not. I, uh, I'll probably be watching it at the, at the brewery on Friday night. Is, are they, uh, they going to plan anything for the times that we play? Are they going to put together maybe a watch party or anything? Even though they're not the quote-unquote official watch party for basketball, um, I've been told that they are going to at least have the game going on either all the TVs or most of the TVs. Cool. That's a great place to watch a game. If you anybody out there in the Lafayette area and want to check out a cool spot to watch Cajuns basketball, Adopted Dog Brewery on Dulles in the old Cafe 329. Great spot. Uh, one of our new favorites. It's been uh, it's been really cool. Lane, we appreciate you. We're going to get Ryan in here for a minute. One of uh, So, by the way, my friend Ryan is one of the uh, biggest and most well-informed UL basketball yeah. fans out there. I'm glad he joined. He probably can tell us more about Tennessee than either uh, Nick or I can. So, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, we get to get to play Tennessee. Hopefully, we get some payback from uh, 23 years ago. Um, as you know, I got you know some pretty close ties to those guys, but I've watched them all year. They uh, their starting point guard Zakai Ziegler he tore his ACL a few uh, shit I don't know two weeks ago I think. But uh, I heard they had another guy out. I'm not quite sure who. Uh, they play really good defense. They got uh, Vescovy who could shoot the three, and they got another guy that transferred in. Uh, his last name is Key. And I think if you stop those two guys, we'll be pretty good. Um, I think Jordan Brown will have his hands full on the inside. With uh, They got a big rush, and I think his last name is Plasbitch or something like that. I'm not quite sure how to – how to pronounce his last name, but I think it'll be a good game. It'll be real physical. I think it'll be probably in the high fifties, low sixties. And uh, I think we got a really good chance to win. So Ryan, how do you think, how do you think the Cajuns match up against a team that's going to be physical with them? I don't know that we've seen that too much this year. Actually, I thought South Alabama was probably the closest thing we saw to a, a real physical matchup. How do you think we, we match up with Tennessee from that standpoint? Like physically, I'm, I'm not very confident, but, you know, they, they got some size. They got some bigs that will be able to bang around with uh, Lewis and, and uh, JB. But uh, hopefully Isaiah can get in and get, you know, some quality minutes. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm thinking, you know, JB's going to have to have to play, you know, the majority of the game. You know, I'm talking like 38, 39 minutes, you know, catch a couple breaks at the TV timeouts. But yeah. whenever whenever he gets, he gets uh, some physical guys, you know, that kind of, push him around a little bit he struggles but I think he's going to be up for it and um and I think the rest of us of the team will be too but you know we're I think we're we're a lot smaller than them they're, they're a real physical team so it'll be interesting man but you know I think athletically we match up with them but you know I'm worried about about getting you know I don't know how many offensive rebounds we gave up to, to South Alabama I, I expect the same kind of game with them that we had with, uh, with South Alabama but yeah, in the final, you know, in the final, we actually didn't give up too many. I think we gave up four, Nick. If if you remember that recap, no, I think I we think gave you're up correct. Four. three or four. Yeah, and, which was surprising. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of Texas State, and, and I, I think I think whenever I I text the group a few a few nights back, I said if if we play Tennessee, it'll be like playing Texas State on steroids. So they they play a 
they play a real physical like the, the defense is it, it, it's an aggravating type defense like playing Texas State's really annoying and it's going to be a really annoying game that, that's really the best way that I could put it but I think we have a really good chance if we could if we could hit our free throws I think if Themis runs the point like he's like he he, he knows how to do we stop the lazy passes no stupid turnovers I really think we have a good chance I'm assuming they'll play man defense they're going to man up on us Absolutely, yeah. Do they and, do they press? Man, they 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 don't they don't. I mean, they they full court press, but they run a diamond every once in a while. But it's mostly just kind of like one hundred defense. They'll have you know man on man, the uh, all you know full court. But I think if okay, I think if if you watch you know any of our games, that whenever whenever we we kind of. You know, dominate. You know, some of the guys in the are, are the teams in the league. You know, some of the guys. You know, they they switch to a zone defense, and we can't figure it out. And I think Rick Barnes is smart enough to say, "Let me try the zone defense out first, and see if we can hit some outside shots." So, we'll see, man. Hey, do you have any information on Greg Williams? Is he going to be back? Is his toe all right? Anything on that? No, I'm. I you know, whenever we were in Pensacola, he was you know after the game. He was celebrating and, you know, kind of running around. I I kind of – I heard that it was day-to-day, and he got stepped on the night before against Texas State. But uh, he tried to go and he couldn't. But I think, you know, one of the good things about having that 10 days off is, you know, it, it's going to give us a, a real good a real good uh, chance to, to get him rested because we definitely need him. Like, we definitely need him to play and play like he was playing, you know, in that 10-game winning streak whenever he was – he was uh, – catching 20 points a game or whatever it was. But I think uh, I think he'll be there. I don't, I don't think he's going to miss the game. You know, I don't think he'll miss it for the world. So, Okay. We definitely need a shooting at the line and at the free throw, the free throw line and at the three-point arch. We, we need it. Absolutely. Yep. Well, good, man. I appreciate you joining. No problem, man. I'll, I'll talk to you all later. All right, Ryan. All right. Just got a text from my buddy Andy, and Andy says that he talked to Greg just a few minutes ago. Let's see. Talking about the watch party, he was wearing a boot, but he said that he will be ready to go on Thursday. That is a huge development. Uh, we definitely need Greg Williams as healthy as he could possibly be because we've, we've got to be able to make a good defensive team pay for sagging off our guards. Nick, anything that Ryan said you wanted to comment on or anything stand out? No, I just think we need to be, uh, and I think especially for Brown, because I know that he's going to be their focus, is that he's got to be smart in his shot selection he he seemed when he got a little bit frustrated on Sunday night, he started to miss some shots and 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 not be uh not be as picky in a shot selection. So I think if if he doesn't have the opportunity to shoot the ball, he needs to dump it off to someone who's open and give them that opportunity. Uh, but it's going to be all hands on deck. Look, they're number four net rating for a reason because they have the opportunity to be really 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 good. Um, missing a key player though, how does that? I mean, if if I go down their schedule, we're we're looking at it right now. Um, they beat who they were supposed to beat. I, I guess the Colorado loss in early November was probably their most disappointing loss on the season. But the look other look at other that, losses beat are Kansas what, beat Kansas yeah. at home, sixty four to fifty. Number three, beat Kansas. Kansas. They lost to number eight Arizona. Um, went out and and beat uh, or lost to number twenty three Kentucky. They beat LSU, of course. Everybody beat LSU. Who hasn't? Um, beat number seven, Texas. 
lost to number 25 Missouri, beat number four Alabama. Now, look, uh, that Texas is very interesting to us, right? Right. We play this as a common opponent, and they beat Texas. They beat them handily. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So their only losses outside of of going back to uh, when they lost to Colorado, their losses are to, to really, really good programs that are re- currently ranked. Um, get see, to, uh, there's a Vanderbilt game right there that they, they lost. Uh, let's see. So yeah, Vanderbilt 66, ended up 20 to 14. That's yeah. interesting to me, though, because Vanderbilt lost to none other than Southern Miss. Correct. So, again, that's kind of an interesting thing. and They, they lost back-to-back right there. So Missouri beat them by one right after that. And then I don't know when the injury occurred for for uh, for that player, but you see in March they dropped one to Auburn, they beat Ole Miss, and then they get beat by Missouri in the in the quarterfinals. So I don't know. Um, you always go into these these situations hopeful uh, that that you can pull it off somehow, but I think with with them missing a crucial player, if we can we're going to have to do everything right to be able to win this game. And I think we're going to be able to tell probably early in the game how it's going to go based on how we react to if he's saying they, they, they press and they have a really, really good defense. Are we turning the ball over, you know, early in the game? Are we, are we being, that's a great point. And you know, we we did a really good job of taking care of the basketball in the tournament. So that is, that is something to keep your eye on. The other thing about that is a team that's going to press and, and play man it's a good thing we can run about nine guys out there that can play. We're going to need them all if we're going to keep a fresh uh, lineup in there. And Jordan Brown, that's a good point. You know, Jordan's going to have to play a lot of minutes. That that seems like if they're going to be physical with him, that's going to be a challenge. And another thing is, what is the officiating going to be like? Because if they're if they're playing press and they're and they're you know hovering over our guys and and getting we're getting fouled, but it's not being called, it'll be a long game for us. But if they are going to set that that uh, that tempo early in the game that you're not going to be able to harass our guys and not get the called foul, then then, you know, things may go in a better direction for us. So, again, I don't think we can be frustrated regardless of whatever the, the officiating is. It'll be very important for us to adapt to the environment, to their style of play and to the officiating. If they're letting stuff go then we can't retaliate because they will use every opportunity to use that against us if it's a oh, close yeah. game late in the game. Absolutely. We got to play smart. You know what else I'm noticing is that there's a lot of wins at home. A lot of wins yeah. at home. At one point during the the year, they had a five-game losing streak on the road. This is a this is a hell of a road game for them. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's something that I'll keep my eye on. Go ahead, Lane. You can make another comment, sir. So I was looking. The, it seems like the injury to that uh, player happened a couple weeks ago, right before the conference tournament. Um, I think he, I believe he was one of their starters. He apparently po- apologized to the team for tearing his ACL. Um, but I have a feeling with him out, that could provide a good thing for the Cajuns. Um, I just saw the betting odds. We are eleven and a half point underdogs. That's about what I figured. Now, look, they they did beat Ole Miss in the SEC tournament, but Ole Miss is not very good, and uh, and of course they lost to Missouri, like like Nick mentioned. So you can't really glean anything from those two games, I don't think. Uh, but again, imagine losing Themis Falks. You know that's how significant the injury could possibly be for a team like Tennessee. So 
obviously we don't know for sure. Uh, I'm just, in theory, that could be a gigantic loss for a team like Tennessee. I also feel like if we can shoot our threes like we've been able to, uh, we will have a decent shot at going off the upset. Sure. Look, we are capable of getting hot from three. I, I think we were the second best three-point shooting uh, team in the league this year. I would have to go back and look at it, but we were up there for a long time. Kentrell Garnett still shooting 43% from three. Uh, I think Greg is 38%. Themis showed you that he can make a few in that championship game. Jalen Dalcourt can shoot. Uh, and again, having that guy in tip-top shape coming off the bench to give us some extra offensive punch is going to be huge. That's going to be huge for this team. Uh, so I, I have a lot of confidence in that situation playing out. But uh, Lane, I appreciate your comments. If anybody else wants to get in, please request. We will uh, we will get you on to speak. Uh, and of course, YouTube is always open for you guys in the chat. Uh, but other than that, Nick, if you have any last thoughts on basketball or baseball, now is the time, my brother. No, like I said, um, excited for the opportunity to get together with some Cajuns fans in Houston. Um, hopefully, we can shock the world this week. This is a good opportunity for us to uh, to make some noise in the dance. So looking forward to that. Look, whatever happens, I'm I'm happy for the guys. I'm excited for them to to be able to experience this. And uh, as far as baseball goes, we got we got to clean some some things up. I would give them maybe a C this weekend in, in their in their performance, but uh, we're not far off from being a really good team. We just got to put it all together, which I don't think we've done yet. So um, good things to come, I think, in in both areas. And uh, looking forward to uh, to Thursday. It is exciting that we play C-minus baseball and still win the series. I mean, that's always encouraging. However, it's starting to get a little late in the season. You know, conference play is next week already. At some point, you got to start doing the easy stuff, the things you can control, the controllables, right? 20 before 10, I know, is the goal. We're still okay. We're still on track. But it's about to get a little bit more difficult, Uh these conference games are going to be tough. They're going to be gunning for us. South Alabama looks terrible this year. I guarantee you it's a good series when we play. It just always is. So Cajuns go 3-1 this week in baseball. Take the series from high point. Cajuns will play as a 13 seed, the number four seed, Tennessee in Orlando, Florida, for a chance to move on in the big dance. Uh, other than that, thank you, everybody, for joining tonight. We had a good time talking baseball, as always. And again... If we can find a way to get a W in this tournament, that's just Lanyap, right? However, that's what we want. That's what we expect. Well, I don't know if we expect it, but we want it. Raging Review is brought to you by Lafayette Roofing, Darren Doming, and the gang. Our people, great fans. Check them out. 237 Roof is the number. Gordon Injury, excuse me, Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys. GetGordon.com. GetGordon.com. Get it. Get G and get it done. And then, of course, the Russo family and Patriot Steel Group, great sponsors of the Raging Review podcast and UL Athletics as a whole. I want to thank everybody again for joining. Please rate, review, subscribe. We're on every single platform you can possibly be on for podcasts, Amazon Music, Google, Spotify, all that stuff. Go check us out. Leave us a note. Uh, rate the pod. We really, It really benefits us more than you guys know. And, of course, we're always here. Uh, every week to talk baseball at the end of it. Come and join. Share your thoughts. All that good stuff. For Nick, for Jerry, it's me saying goodnight. We'll see you on next week. Probably do a show on Friday. Maybe we'll do that. We'll talk about it.